Well, good morning. Morning, good morning. My name is Brandon. I am the pastor down in West Bridgewater um, at Grace Church just for a few more weeks, actually. Uh, some of you may have heard this, but uh, we just have a few more weeks, my wife and I, three more Sundays as uh, the pastor of Grace Church in West Bridgewater before we will be moving to Maine uh, to plant a church in Portland over the next year to year and a half. And... Man, it has been a privilege. It's been a privilege to be a part of this church. Um, to week in, week out, be able to serve alongside so many incredible people, to be able to serve this church. Um, thank you for always, uh, before we even moved here, we felt loved by the people here. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for sharing meals with us coffees with us. Thank you for serving alongside us. It's been a privilege. It really has. And uh, this church has become like a family to my wife and I. And while we'll, we're excited for what's next, it's going to be really sad to leave as well. So thank you. Um, but before, I, I, I just, I, I, I don't know if there's a more fitting end uh, to my time here than teaching on what we're about to talk about today. Um, and to, to dive into that, I just, I want to start with a question. And that question is, did you have a dream car growing up? Did you ever have a dream car? Just a quick show of hands. How many of you had a dream car? How many of you still have a dream car? Yeah, there we go. There we go. Okay, so I love cars growing up. I still love cars. I had Hot Wheels and, you know, model Ferraris that my Batman action figures would drive around Gotham City in. Like, I just grew up loving cars, but my dream car that I wanted ever since I was in high school was a Mini Cooper. Okay? Now you laugh. I hear you laughing, but man, wait till you drive one, okay? Then start laughing at me, right? My dream car was a Mini Cooper, and I don't know if that's because I wanted to be like Mark Wahlberg in the Italian job. I don't know what it was, but man, I just love Mini Coopers. And in 2016, my wife Allie, being the amazing person she is, found one on Craigslist for cheap, and we were able to buy it. Look at this. Look at this car. Here it comes. Here it comes. There it is. Look at this. Look at the happiness. Please don't clap for that. That is not worth clapping for. It's, well, actually, you can't clap for that. Look at the happiness on my face. That is pure happiness right there. And every time I got into that five-speed little standard Mini Cooper that I zipped around Austin. We lived in Austin, Texas at the time. We zipped around Austin, Texas. Listen, I could park anywhere I wanted. I could park in the spots nobody else could park in. Now, I loved that car, and it brought me a lot of happiness, but on May 14th, 2019, all that happiness quickly went away when this happened. Yeah, yeah. If you've ever been there, you know what that's like. Uh, all of that happiness, everything that, uh, the car's name was Marco the Mini Cooper, everything that Marco had once brought me when it came to happiness, uh, was gone in an instant at the intersection of Crystal's Kitchen in West Bridgewater. 
If you've ever been there, be careful, okay? Everyone was like, oh, by the way, everyone was okay. I was like, man, when I tell this story, I need to tell everybody it was okay. All that happiness that I had felt with this car, in an instant, it was totaled and that happiness was gone. Now, I don't know if you've had moments like this. Maybe you're a student in the room and you went to middle school camp or high school camp and you came back and you had the camp high and you're just happy or maybe you got a large bonus from work and you were happy or maybe you purchased a new boat, right? Summertime up on Lake Winnipesaukee, got the boat out, you're filled with happiness. Maybe you went on a vacation with friends or family. Maybe you just went to see Barbie, right? Brought a lot of happiness because you did the Boppenheimer, Barbie, then Oppenheimer double feature. Brought a lot of happiness, but moments or things that brought you so much happiness quickly can disappear and leave you searching for the next thing. What's the next thing that will make me happy? And so on you go to find the next thing that brings you happiness. We're, we're pursuing happiness and how it makes us feel at all times in our lives. We even say that we're on, we're on the pursuit of happiness, right? Will Smith made a movie about it. Kid Cudi wrote a song about it. We pursue happiness in a lot of different ways. Maybe it's the movies that we watch, the TV shows we consume, maybe the relationships that we engage in, right? We just find, we want to find someone that just makes us happy. We just want to be happy. Maybe we hope that the sex that we have will bring us happiness that we so desperately crave. Or maybe if I make enough money, you know, that next thousand, that'll make me happy. Then that next thousand, that'll make me happy. And it, if I just get enough money, then I will be left satisfied and truly happy. And we try all of those things. And what we find is that while it may give us temporary satisfaction, it doesn't lead to long-term fulfillment. And yet, even though we know that, right, Money, cars, people can be gone in an instant, even though we know that. In our Western culture, we're constantly fed that we should pursue what makes us happy at all costs. And there's a, there was a pastor named Eugene Peterson, and he recognized this, and he said this, the enormous entertainment industry in our land is a sign of the depletion of joy in our culture. The enormous entertainment industry in our land is a sign of the depletion of joy in our culture. Now, why would he say that? Well, he's making a key distinction here. The difference between happiness and joy. Now, happiness is what the entertainment industry provides. A temporary escape to another place, right? We can escape to Barbie's world for almost three hours, which that does not make me happy, by the way, but it's fine. Some people it does. We can escape to these things and briefly forget about our problems, but it's just temporary. It's like putting a Band-Aid on a stab wound. It's not helping. So then what is joy? What's the difference between joy and happiness? Well, to, to look at that, I want you to open up to Psalm chapter 16. Psalm chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible, I think there are some Bibles on the seats in front of you. If you brought your Bible, open it up this morning. Psalm chapter 16 is towards the middle. Or, or download the Bible app on your phone. But here, listen, you're at church. Open up your Bible, right? We're here. Let's do it. Psalm chapter 16. And we're going to start in verse 7. But this was written by uh, King David. Written by King David. And most scholars argue that he actually wrote this psalm during a time in his life where there was a lot of distress and struggle. 
And so we're going to jump in at verse 7, and this is what it says in Psalm 16. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Verse 9. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. David gives us a beautiful picture of what joy is in this psalm. That joy is a state of being, while happiness is a fleeting emotion. Joy is a state of being, while happiness is a fleeting emotion. Now, happiness is an emotion we all have to navigate. I love that Katrina said, listen, God gave us emotions. They're not bad. Let's learn how to navigate them in healthy ways. And and I want to be clear. Happiness is not a bad emotion. Now, I've heard teachings before uh, in churches where they've been like joy and happiness before. And one is good, one is bad. I don't know if I agree. Because happiness is an emotion that God has given all of us. So I would be hesitant to say that anything from God is bad. But when we try to make happiness the place where we find purpose and meaning and fulfillment, that's when it becomes dangerous. Because as quickly as you are happy, you're left looking for the next thing to make you happy. Right? This is where addiction can begin in our lives. We just want another taste of happiness, of bliss, of forgetting our problems. This is when we can start to try to numb hurt or pain through happiness. If I just, if I just stay in this uh, this this made up world. If I just keep watching movies, I, I'll forget about my problems. If I can just keep doing this, I'll forget about my problems. I'll stay happy. This is when we start having sex night after night with different people, just hoping that this sex will make us happy. But Eugene Peterson again, he says this: society is a bored, gluttonous king that employs a court jester to to divert it after an overindulgent meal. But that kind of joy never penetrates our lives. It never changes our basic constitution. The effects of happiness are extremely temporary. A few minutes, a few hours, a few days at most. And this is where just seeking happiness leads us. It's an emotion that we all feel, but it does not lead to true satisfaction. Meanwhile, David, in Psalm chapter 16, he writes in verse 9, he says, no wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. David, in this passage, is telling us how we can experience joy as like a perpetual state of being. Now, remember, most likely David is writing this from a place of desperation and and struggle and peril in his life. And yet he says, no wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. How does he end up here? How, How does he end up in a place where he's in struggle and yet he's saying, my heart is glad and I rejoice? If you go back to the verses just before this, we find out. He says, I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at, even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. 
And then right at the end of verse 9, he says, my body rests in safety. David says, you know how I rejoice? You know why my heart is glad? Because the Lord guides me. Because I know he is always with me. And because of that, I am safe. No wonder I'm full of joy. The creator of the universe is right next to me, is leading me, is protecting me. And this is the key to to leveraging the emotion of happiness and turning it into a perpetual state of joy. It's when we begin to understand that our happiness can be found in nothing other than God. When things and people are the object of our affection and happiness, they will be here today and gone tomorrow. They will not satisfy like my Mini Cooper. It was here for just a couple years and then it was gone. But when our affection and our happiness are found in a God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever, a God that says he will never leave us or forsake us, a God that, as David describes, is right beside me, that is when our happiness leads to a state of being in joy. Because God's not going anywhere. There was a a Dutch priest named Henry Nouwen. And Henry Nouwen said this, joy is not the same as happiness. We can be unhappy about many things, but joy can still be there because it comes from the knowledge of God's love for us. We can be unhappy about many things and joy can still be there because it comes from the knowledge of God's love for us. The more we recognize God's love for us, the more we are filled with joy, the more we live from a place of understanding that if there is one constant in this life, it's knowing that he, we will always be loved by God and he will always be right beside us. And this is when things start to change. Like this is when we no longer look to find meaning or satisfaction in things that are temporary. It actually begins to bring transformation in our lives in the same way that it did for David. Let's go back to Psalm chapter 16. David goes on in verses 10 and 11. And this is what he says. For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. David provides us with two more keys to to unlocking joy as a state of being. He says, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. Now, not only is David in this verse acknowledging that placing our faith in God allows us to find new life, even after death, but he's also prophetically speaking about the coming of Jesus centuries later. He's teaching us that joy comes from an overflow of hope in our lives. Joy comes from an overflow of hope. David has an unending joy because he has an unending hope. He has a hope that he has placed in God. It it reminds me of Paul who writes to the early church in Rome in Romans chapter 12 and he says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. And then just a couple chapters later in chapter 15, he says, I pray that God, the source of hope, 
will fill you completely with what? Joy and peace. Why? Because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope in temporary things leads to temporary satisfaction. Hope in eternal things leads to eternal satisfaction. That's the difference. Where are you putting your hope this morning? What Paul and David are trying to teach us is that where their hope is placed. And this eternal hope has led to an overflow of joy in their lives. And when our hope is placed in Jesus, joy begins to bubble up as we learn about his promises, as we begin to find the freedom that he brings to us. But joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. And each day is a new opportunity to place our hope back in him and be filled with the joy that comes from knowing that we are protected and that he will comfort us, that he is right beside us. And this is something I've been learning every single day in this current season. Because as Allie and I have entered this new season of preparing to move and plant a church in Portland, Maine, I'm finding each and every day that I have to wake up and again place my hope in God. I'm having to remind myself that he has been faithful, he's still faithful, and he will be faithful. But I have to remind myself of that every day. And it's through this hope that I have that in him that I'm finding my life, it's just filled with joy, even in uncertainty. Even in uncertainty, it's filled with joy and an expectant heart that he is going to work in miraculous ways in the city of Portland to draw people to himself. That's where my hope is. But each day I'm finding that that joy, it it doesn't just simply happen to us. Henry now and again, he says, joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. It is a choice based on the knowledge that we belong to God and have found in God our refuge and our safety and that nothing, not even death, can take God away from us. And maybe today you're struggling to believe in God. Like David says that God is right beside him and you're sitting there this morning, you're like, I don't know if he actually is. I don't know where you're at when it comes to your spiritual journey, but here's my challenge for whoever you are, wherever you're at, is look to the person of Jesus. Because Jesus came as God in the flesh. He lived among us. He laughed. He cried. All so that we could see and experience who God is, get to know his character. As we spent time with the Son of God and during his time with his followers... His disciples, he's talking with them in John chapter 15, and he he gives them the key to experiencing joy in their lives. This is what he says. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy is will overflow. Jesus says, remain in my love. 
Place your, place your hope in me and you will be filled with joy, with joy that overflows. And it's through our hope in Jesus and remaining in his love, we can experience a joy that lasts, not a happiness that's fleeting. And you can try other things. You can try other things, and maybe you have. Maybe, maybe you've tried sex, money. Maybe you've gone to even different spiritual experiences like crystals and psychics or reading tarot cards or checking your horoscope each month, just hoping that something in there will bring you happiness. I promise you that you will find that none of them will give you the joy that comes from knowing Jesus and placing your hope in him. He is the giver of life. And God's word tells us that joy is found when we die to ourselves and are made alive in Christ. Now, while I still have joy in my life from a a relationship with Jesus, I also recognize that there is still a level of joy that I have not experienced yet. As, as a follower of Jesus, when I chose to follow Jesus, the Bible says that I was given a new life, a new life that is sealed through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is now transforming me every day to look more like Jesus. But there is still another level of joy I have not experienced yet. And to show you what I mean, I want to go back. Psalm chapter 16. Go back to Psalm 16 and verses 10 and 11. David hints at this joy that even David hadn't experienced yet. He says this, For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Now David is prophetically talking about Jesus' resurrection from the dead. He says, your Holy One will not rot in the grave. Jesus rose three days after being buried, and in doing so, he conquered death. He even tells John in Revelation chapter 1, he says this, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. And in doing so, when Jesus does this, he promises everyone who puts their faith in him that not only will they receive new life here on earth, but also the gift of living in the presence of God for eternity. And this is what David is talking about in verse 11. He says, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. But there is a problem. And that problem is sin. And sin is our disobedience to God and it's our selfish living. And our sin does not want us to find our joy in God. Our sin keeps us distracted from eternity with temporary things. It it keeps us separated from God. And this is why Jesus came, it's why he lived, it's why he died, and it's why he rose again, to pay for all of the sins that you and I will ever commit and show us where we can find our true joy. 
That in him we can find hope, not only in this life, but hope for eternity. And through that hope, we can find a joy that is everlasting, that never ends. A joy that cannot be stolen from us in this life, and an even greater joy that will be granted to those who spend eternity in the presence of God. That's the beauty of Jesus. There was a a Puritan named Thomas Watson, and he wrote this, After the fall, after Adam and Eve sinned, the affections were misplaced on the wrong objects, like Mini Coopers and money and sex and relationships. But in sanctification or through choosing to follow Jesus and being made new, they are turned into a sweet order and harmony. The grief placed on sin, the love on God, and the joy on heaven. When Jesus comes into our life, he reorders our affections back to their original design. Now, everything that we just talked about, it all hinges on one thing. One question that we talked about, this joy that is a state of being, this joy that comes from an overflow of hope, this joy that comes from finding life in Jesus, to truly find lasting joy, it hinges on this one question. And that question is, have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Have you made the conscious decision to stop living for yourself? Following your ambition, your desires, moving from one thing to the next, hoping that it makes you feel happy, hoping that it makes you feel fulfilled. Meanwhile, missing the fullness of joy that is offered to those that follow Jesus. And there is not a more important question that I could ask during my final teaching here in Avon as a pastor at Grace Church than have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? This is why we do church. This is why Sean and Billy started Grace Church 18 years ago. This is why my wife Allie and I moved back to New England from Austin, Texas a little over five years ago to help plant Grace Church in West Bridgewater. This is why we're moving to Portland, Maine to start a church. We do these things in hopes that people may have an opportunity to hear that Jesus loves them that Jesus paid for all of the sins that separate them from God and that he rose again after his death and offers new life. And that someday he will come back. Revelation 22, 20 and 21, Jesus promises, it says, he who is faithful, who, he who is the faithful witness to all of these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. And when Jesus comes back, all people will cry, all hail King Jesus. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess because when they see Jesus in all of his glory coming back to redeem all of those that were broken, that were lost, that were hopeless, when he comes back, people will not be able to contain themselves but say, all hail King Jesus. And he says, 
and promises he will come back. And so my prayer is that you are ready for that day. My prayer is that when he looks at you someday, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, not depart from me. I never knew you. And if you are a follower of Jesus sitting in this room, let me remind you of your one job. You have one job this entire life, and that is to tell everyone that has ears to hear that they can find new life in Jesus. That what was broken can be made whole. That what was hopeless can find hope. That was filled with anxiety and stress can find peace and joy and hope and love. They can experience the fullness of joy from an eternity spent with their creator in heaven. And I've recently, I was, uh, I'm recently been reading a book called Deceive No More. And it was written by, uh, Doreen Virtue. Now, Doreen Virtue was one of the foremost, if not the foremost, leaders and voices in the New Age and occult movement. And perhaps even some of you here, you know who Doreen Virtue is. Well, Doreen had a radical encounter with Jesus. And since then, she has renounced all of her former teachings. And she now writes and speaks to help those who may be in a similar situation find Jesus in their lives. And she said this in her book, when Jesus saved me, I was like the woman at the well who had continually thirsted for love but couldn't find it. The new age, for all its promises, could not save me. Only Jesus could. And today, if you're here and you're ready to start a relationship with Jesus, like you have heard the good news of the gospel. You have heard that Jesus came and he died for every single person sitting in this room and he wants to offer you new life. No matter what your past is, no matter what you have going on in your life right now, he wants to make you whole. And if that's you this morning, you're like, I'm done. I'm ready to make Jesus the Lord of my life. If that's you, here's what I want you to do right now. Because the Bible tells us that anyone, at any time that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so right now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to call on the name of the Lord and he will save you. So let, pray this prayer with me if, if that is what you want to do this morning. Father, I'm so sorry for all the times that I've disobeyed you. Please forgive me. I now see that I've been running from you, but I'm ready to stop running. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I choose to follow you for the rest of my days. Thank you for giving up your life so that I might find a new one. Amen. You just prayed that prayer for the first time. The Bible says that you've been given a new life, that your sins have been forgiven, and your relationship with the Father has been restored. And you will now someday experience a fullness of joy for all of eternity like you could never imagine. 
Now, maybe some of you this morning, you just need to turn back to Jesus. Like you've been following him, but you've gotten off track. You've been trying to find joy in other things other than Jesus. Today, turn back to him. Come back to the person who offers you everything that you could ever need. Make it a priority to read his word, to spend time in prayer talking with him, to be actively involved in the church, to listen to the Holy Spirit's leading in your life. Just come back to him. It has been a privilege to serve at this church for the last five and a half years. First as the kids and student director in West Bridgewater and now as the pastor there. And I've seen over the past five and a half years what happens when Jesus takes over someone's life. I have seen marriages healed. I've seen kids baptize their parents. I've seen parents baptize their kids. I've seen addicts freed. I've seen mental health restored. And I've seen prayers answered. And the Lord is not done at Grace Church yet. The Lord is not done at Grace Church yet. So do not shy away from the Holy Spirit's leading. Do not replace Jesus. And remember to place your hope in a Father that loves you no matter what. And in this, you will experience a joy that is unending. Let's pray. Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing, that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen.